This is my third week doing a, a creed or a kind of a, um, just a declaration before we receive the word for us to just declare together, kind of get our hearts right, get our minds right. Will you guys say this with me together? It's also in your bulletin if you want to look over it there. But can we declare together? I acknowledge that Jesus is Lord of my life and I yield to the work of your Holy Spirit. You are speaking and I am listening. You have a good plan for my life, and I desire your plans to come forth for my life. Amen. All right, y'all ready to receive? I want to encourage you that if you're here today and you may say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus, great, this is the place. This is the place for you. But I want you to know I believe the Holy Spirit has been tugging at you all through worship. It's, I believe it's virtually impossible to sit in the presence of the Lord and the Holy Spirit not tug at your heart. And that's where we are. It says where two or more gathered, he is here. So if you can kind of feel that tugging at your heart, you don't really know what it is, you don't know how to recognize that voice, the way to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior is just to call on him. It says all those that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So don't overthink this thing. You're in trouble. You need help. Call on the Lord. Jesus, I need you. I want you to be Lord of my life. I don't know what the, exactly that means right now, but right now I feel your spirit calling me, and I call on you. I'm making mistakes on my own, and I need help. And we're here to help you learn what that means to follow Christ. So if you're sitting out there right now and you say, I've never made that decision, make it. Call on the Lord right now, right where you sit. Don't wait another minute. Once you know it is, it's good, and it's, you're here on purpose. You're not just here by some circumstance by some coincidence. You're here. Oh, you got to have your phone. You're here on purpose. God knew you were going to be here before you were even born. All right, so let's dive in. I, I want to start, um, I'm going to go ahead and bring this up. You guys know we're in a series called Breaking Bad. But I want to tell you all what's going on in our city. Uh, did anybody go out to the Christmas tree lighting uh, that Two Sunday nights ago, or last Sunday night, I don't know how many it's been. Um, but now, every hour on the hour, they do a light show uh, thing. What would you call that, babe? A light show? <laughs> and listen, I'm pretty much a, a technology snob. If it's not cool, I don't like it. You know, I'm just like, oh, man, we're going to go see that. It's going to be a couple flickered lights and probably a song. It was awesome. I was so impressed by what our city is doing in Dogwood Park. And I don't know if you know this, but this has been done in the heart of Christ. If you were there at the, at the lighting, you would know that uh, Ricky Shelton, our mayor, made it very clear that he is not trying to be politically correct. He is trying to be Christ correct. And I want to encourage you. Amen. We need to be supporting our leaders. Uh, but go out to that. It's so fun. It's, it was cold, but it lasted probably 20 minutes. Lots of people out there every hour. It's so fun. So uh, go out and support what's going on in the city. All right. Breaking Bad. Um, I just want to encourage you just for a moment. When, as we reflect on Christmas and, and the birth of, of Christ Jesus and knowing what he was going to do, go to the cross uh, for us to just reflect on what happened at the cross, that he died for our sins, that he paid that price for what we, so that we would not get what we deserve, but that we could get what he deserved, that he 
when he died on that cross and shed his blood, that he gave us the, the opportunity to be washed clean of our sins, something that could have never happened on our own. Um, and also, he paid such a price for redemption to redeem us from what we deserve, from where we were going. He redeemed us from that, that future, from that uh, plan to a new plan, a plan that he has for us. As we just stated, we know God has a good plan for our life, right? But also, when he died on the cross for our sins, that's not all he did. He broke the power of sin for those that will choose him for their life forever. That power that sin had over our lives, he, it doesn't have anymore. There is no power, there is no power in the sin of, if you have Christ. Now we can give that power back, we can come under that sometimes and fall off that, but we don't have to. Christ once and for all broke the power of sin in your life. Yours, yours individually. Christ broke that power, so whatever you're facing, I want you to know if you have Jesus in your heart, if you have the Spirit of God in your heart, you have the ability to overcome that sin. Period. I don't care how, how bad the stuff is that you're going through, you have the power in you to overcome it. So we've got to grab hold of that. Amen? You guys are going to have to wake up a little bit. How many of you are going through something? You have the power in, in you to get through it successfully. I don't care how bad what you're facing is. Christ is better. Okay, so we've looked at the last few steps that we've taken, breaking bad habits, breaking bad um, decisions, today uh, breaking bad thoughts, and today we're looking at breaking bad attitudes. Anybody here have a problem with attitude? We do. I want to show you a couple quotes. Uh, not a couple, a few. Attitude quotes. Your attitude, not your aptitude, will determine your altitude. I'll go into that one in a minute. Nothing can stop the man with the right mental attitude from achieving his goal. Nothing on earth can help the man with the wrong mental attitude. It's Thomas Jefferson. Our ultimate freedom is the right and power to decide how anybody or anything outside ourselves will affect us. And then finally, my favorite, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Let me go back to the first one. Not your, your attitude, not your aptitude. Aptitude basically means your ability. Your attitude, not your ability, will determine how far you go. Your altitude, how far you go, your attitude. Um, but catch this, this third one. Our ultimate freedom is the right and power to decide how anybody or anything outside ourselves will affect us. Can you let that one sink in? I have the right, I can make the decision how I receive what it is that the world or you say to me. Whatever you say to me, I don't mean you, I just mean someone that has something harsh or negative or mean or nasty to say to me, I get to choose how I handle that. So wherever I wind up because of what that person does is on me, not on them. Praise God, I don't live under that control of someone else. I can decide how I take it. There's a great difference between the words react and respond. 
Anybody here ever have a knee-jerk reaction? Especially to someone saying something to you? It's rarely good. Your knee-jerk reaction is rarely good, but a response is something that is thought, thought through. And for a, for a Christ follower, someone that has prayed about it and is listening to the Spirit of God. And if you will respond accordingly, you're not going to get under some dumb word spoken over you. It's a good word for somebody. Y'all can wake up at some point, get some more coffee. Okay, so if y'all have your Bibles, your iPhones, whatever you've got, turn to Jonah chapter 2. I really feel like this, uh, this is something that isn't, it's not seen all the time. It's, it's really kind of a funny story. Everybody knows, even the unsaved many times knows the story of Jonah. You know, the dude gets ate by fish, right? We, we know that one. Uh, but what we don't catch sometimes is really what Jonah, Jonah's mindset and what he's going through. So, to just to catch you up, God, Jonah is a, a prophet, He's going around speaking God's word to people. He is the voice of God. He is a man that is being used, a vessel being used as the voice of God. That's what a prophet does, right? I don't know if you heard Brother John, but Brother John back there that gave that word is a prophet. He gave us the manifested word of God according to scripture. So you need to listen. When the prophet speaks, you need to listen. And you need to line it up with God's word. You need to line it up with God's spirit. So Jonah's a prophet. God speaks to Jonah and says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to tell them they're messing up really bad. They're in sin really bad. And that they need to repent. They need to turn. They need to quit doing it. And it doesn't say a lot about how Jonah responds, at least in his mind, how what he's thinking. You just know what he's thinking by how he what he does. Instead of going to Nineveh, he turns around and goes to Tarshish opposite. He goes the opposite direction. So then what happens? He gets on a boat to sail to Tarshish. All of a sudden a freakish storm is going on in his life, going on on the boat. The people on the boat are saying, oh God, we're going to die. Something's wrong. Let's start casting lots or let's start throwing dice. Let's start flipping cards to figure out who the problem is. They start casting, casting lots and determine it's Jonah. Jonah says, uh, Yeah, it's not just me, it's my God, and I've done something bad, and the storm will go away if you'll just toss me over the seas. They're like, nah, let's not do that, let's throw everything else off first. Oh, it is bad, let's toss him off. They toss him off the boat, things get calm, and a fish comes and swallows him whole. Now, if you ever get caught in a fish, and you're not dead, then your, your life probably needs to change. If you're alive in a fish for a few days and you have time to think, think. Okay, don't just lay there waiting to die. You're getting a chance to make a, make a new decision. Do you hear me? You're in a fish and you've got nowhere else to go. Jonah had no hope. He's in a fish. He can't crawl out of his mouth. He has no hope. And look what Jonah says in Jonah chapter 2, verse 9. If you've got your Bibles, let's look at that one. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. What's he saying? 
God, if you'll just get me out of this one, then I'll do everything you told me to do. Has anybody ever done that? You ever been at that, God, just get me out of this? Jonah's no different. Jonah's like, um, I've been in this fish for three days and I've not been digested yet. I don't know why I'm still alive, but uh, okay. Let me think, what did I do wrong? Okay. God, if you'll get me out of this one, I'll go do it right. And look what happens. The Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out of his mouth and onto the beach. The fish didn't swim up to the shore and just get divided in half and Jonah walk out. He got spit out. I, I love the imagery of what, not just the imagery, but the reality of what happened. He got spit out. The, the, the fish swam him up to the beach and spit him out. That could not have been a good experience either. Elizabeth's translation says vomited. Even better. You know, but you know what? Whatever was being vomited out, he was already in that mess. Can you imagine? So let's keep going. So God gives him the instruction again. What is that? That's a second chance. Do you know God's a God of second chances? In my case, I don't know how many chances. But he's a God of second chances. And when you get a second chance, take it. Jonah goes, tells the people to repent. They do, and God forgives them. But deep down, we find out that Jonah hated this assignment. He didn't like the people of Nineveh, and he knew that God would be merciful. This is so funny to see the heart of this prophet, because it's going to be backwards of what you would think. Jonah thought he knew what needed to happen, and what did he, want, what did he think needed to happen? That the people of Nineveh just needed to burn. God, these people are bad to the core. They just need to burn. Jonah chapter 3 verse 10. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Now, next verse, Jonah chapter 4 verse 1. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. What did Jonah get angry at? That God just saved a nation. The prophet, the prophet, the man of God that is God's spokesperson is now mad that God saved Nineveh. <laughs> Anybody here ever been mad over something stupid? Why are you mad at that? Next verse. Gets even funnier because Jonah now complains. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you're a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Can anybody grasp the humor of this argument? Jonah's like, this makes me so mad. I knew you were compassionate and merciful. Can anybody get this? This is so funny. God, I knew you were just going to be full of mercy and grace. I knew you would just forgive. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. Now, this is the this is the crescendo. Just kill me now. Just kill me now. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Just kill me now. Just just 
just take me out, God. If you're going to be merciful and compassionate, just take me out. I, don't, I, don't, I can't hardly grasp the whole thing. It's just so funny. And then God says, do you have a right to be angry at this? I love that. All of a sudden, things are brought right to the forefront. God says, what are you angry about? Are you angry that I call a people to turn? They turn, and I forgive them, and you're angry? I kind of feel like God's saying, what kind of prophet are you? And he says, I can't stand it if my pro- prophetic word doesn't come true. Do you, did you catch that? Just kill me now. I'd rather be dead than if what I predicted didn't happen. But the funny thing is, it did. Jonah was called to go tell Nineveh to repent. And if they didn't repent, they would die. But they repented and didn't die. So his prophetic word did come true. But Jonah was so messed up, he couldn't see it. And he wanted those people to burn. In fact, he went and camped, made a tent that God provided by a tree, by by a weed, by a plant that gave him shade. He sat under so he could go watch Nineveh burn. Had his popcorn and butter and drink and free refills, and his chair, and there he is watching. Now, this is going to be good. And instead of them burning, God cut off the plant and made the heat all on, on Jonah. He, God, God put him in the heat. Anyway, it's just a funny story. I don't know if you ever catch this, but it, it's so funny. But God says, do you have the right to be angry? One translation says, do you have a reason to be angry like this? And I want you to know that when God asks you a question, he knows the answer. He knows. It's rhetorical. He's trying to tell Jonah, Jonah, you have an attitude problem. And Jonah doesn't see it. Jonah sees that God has a problem. He should have wiped that nation out, even if they repent. Well, I want to ask you this. Have you ever known someone that needed an attitude adjustment? You ever had a child? Anybody here have kids? They ever have attitude issues? Let me ask you this. Have you ever had an attitude issue? Let me ask you this. Do you now have an attitude issue? Well, let's just, let's just deal with work. Let's just talk about work for just a minute. Have you ever been asked to do something that you didn't want to do? If you say no, then you're lying. So just say yes. Have you ever been asked to do something that you didn't understand why to do it? You didn't want to do it, and you didn't understand why to do it and you didn't agree with it. Now, unless your authority figure, your boss, is asking you to do something illegal or is sin, then I want to, and, and you're sitting here battling with it, and you're really starting to develop a bad attitude about it, I want to ask you to ask yourself a couple questions. Or, or some statements. I'm getting paid to do this, right? You're in your job, you get paid, right? Unless you're here and you're a volunteer, that's even tougher. You're getting paid by God. Are you getting paid at your job? Thank you. The three of you just got louder. Okay, I'm getting paid to do this. I chose this job, right? We don't live in a communistic area where we get assigned jobs, we get to choose our jobs, right? You may feel like you didn't choose your job, but you did. It's an incredible thing that we get to choose our job. I chose this. For the most part, I'm thankful for my job, 
right? You're thankful for that paycheck. You're thankful for a place to go and to be a part of something. Sometimes you may not be, but if you ever lose your job, you realize how thankful you were for that job. I'm thankful for my job. Um, I want to keep my job, right? Yes. I want to be considered for promotion, right? I don't want to stay where I am. I want to continue to grow. If I do a bad job, there will be consequences, right, and vice versa. This task will go by better and faster if I have a good attitude, right? Anybody ever notice that? According to God's word, if I'm faithful over this, God will give me more, right? So, can you all of a sudden see that if we will have a little bit different approach, we might can approach these things we're being asked to do differently. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Do everything. Everybody say everything. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Any of you ever around on a regular basis complaining people? Have you ever wondered, am I a complainer? I don't mean me, I mean you. <laughs> um, I, have, I have a tendency, if you ever read the book called The Six uh, Hats, the black hat is the one that kind of pokes all the holes in it and finds everything wrong with something. And I sometimes have a tendency to do that. And I don't think I see it as complaining, but I think my staff would say, oh, no, it's complaining. Um, so I have to kind of watch watch what, where my personal personality is, but I can't stand to be around complaining people. Now, if you've got a problem, we need to address it, but let's not just stay with the problem. Let's come up with a solution to go forward. Okay, if it won't work this way, then give me an, tell me which way we can go. Don't just tell me what's wrong. Give me, an, give me a suggestion of where we can go. Have an attitude of we're going to get through this. Do we need to go through this? Do we need to get through this? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Okay, then let's come up with something that, that we can all agree on to have a good attitude toward and push through. Stop complaining. We use the word fussing, don't we? Stop your fussing. A lot of times it's me. So, don't go the way of the world. What attitude should I have? Where should we start? Uh, same uh, Philippians chapter 2, but a little bit uh, backwards, chapter five, uh, verse 5. It says, have this attitude. I love that. What attitude should we have? Have this attitude. In yourselves, which is also Christ Jesus, who, all, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even on a cross. Now, if we back up even two more verses, it says in Philippians 2, 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Now, if you go back to last week's sermon on uh, breaking bad decisions and asking for wisdom, we looked at, uh, from James chapter 5, earthly wisdom and worldly wisdom. And do you remember what earthly wisdom was? It was selfish. It was self-centered wisdom, wisdom that would promote me, promote my things, very selfish-looking where 
uh, heavenly wisdom was the opposite of selfish, others, considering others. And you can see here that, that this um, doing things out of selfish ambition is worldly wisdom. But in humility, I believe that we can connect the dots between heavenly wisdom and humility. Because we see worldly wisdom and selfish ambition go hand in hand. I believe that humility and heavenly wisdom go hand in hand. Because it is the wise that humble themselves. It is the, it, God exalts the humble. God exalts the humble. So if you want to move up in the world, you've got to humble yourselves before God and before man, before each other. So when you're at work, consider your boss higher than you. That may sound so dumb, but unfortunately, so many times, even in a hierarchy of authority, we think ourselves higher than our authority. And that's what Satan did. Satan tried to attain uh, the position of God, and God humbled him. Do you follow me? It's pride. Ultimately, it's pride. So a place of humility, let me tell you, if, if husbands would take a place of humility with their wives, we would have blessed marriages. If wives would take a humble approach with their husbands, we would have blessed marriages. If parents would consider their children, if spouses, if siblings, if with my, even like with parents, if we would hum, humble ourselves, I was about to say humiliate. I don't mean humiliate, humble. There's a difference between humiliating ourselves and humbling ourselves. There's a difference. But can you see that with our attitude, if we would put others ahead of us, what does that do? That takes my opinions and my fussy things out of the picture, and I start considering someone else. When I'm working for the church, if I will take my personal ambitions and move them out of the way and take the church as primary and not me, take the Lord as primary and not me, take my wife as primary and not me, all of a sudden I start to line up with how God's kingdom is. God says, as a husband, I am to love my wife as Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? He gave everything. He gave his position. He gave his life. He gave what he deserved. He gave his blood. He gave everything. It said that he came from being the king to being a bondservant. He came from being the top to being a servant to man. He humbled himself, and God exalted him to the name above all names. Do you hear me? Your attitude is everything. How you approach a situation, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Do you know in my life the things I thought I never could achieve, the whole time I thought I couldn't achieve them, I couldn't. I wouldn't even get on the playing field because I didn't think I could do it. But when I began to believe that I could do it, I got myself in the game, and next thing you know, I started to achieve those things. It is an amazing thing, your mind. So if we can take that approach at work, at home, with our wife, our boss, with our friends, placing ourselves lower than others, considering others better, 
our attitude is going to change. Our perspective is going to change. It's no longer primary what I want. I start looking at others. Our life is to be a life of faith, not failure. Listen to me as I close. Our life is to be a life of faith, not failure in your thinking and your doing. We should not be living a life with the expectation of failure. We should not be living a life with the expectation of people failing us. The expectation of terrible things are always going to happen in our life. We should be living a life of faith, faith that God's word is true. What God says is not just true for the corporate church, it's true for me individually. That the word of God is true for you personally. What does God say about me? That is what I can believe for me. I am the head and not the tail. I am blessed and not beneath. I am above I am blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The places that I set my hands will be prosperous in all that I do. Those are promises for you. That's the life that we should be living. What is faith? Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us the assurance for what we cannot see. We are to be living with an attitude that God is going to come through. That when I do my part, God's going to come through. Do you know the woman with the issue with blood that pushed her way through to Jesus? Do you know that Jesus did not anoint her with oil? Jesus didn't call for a prayer line and call her forward. Jesus didn't lay hands on her. She pushed through a crowd and said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. What did she have? She had belief. She had faith that if she could just get to him, he doesn't even need to stop. He doesn't even need to know I touch him. In fact, I hope he doesn't know. I just need to touch him. She touched him, and Jesus said, hey, everybody, somebody just touched me. And the disciples were like, are you kidding? We're in a mob. You're getting pushed around by everybody. She said, he said, oh, no. Someone who believed just touched me. I felt power go into this person. What's our part? Is to believe. When you approach your situations with a negative attitude, it is the opposite of faith. Why would you ever succeed with that attitude? Why is attitude so important? Because the Lord says just to those who will hear and believe. So you hear the word of God, but your attitude says you don't believe. This is exciting. I'm telling you, if you can change your attitude, it will change your life. Sometimes you've got to fake it until you make it. I don't feel like I can succeed here, but God, your word says this, and here we go. I'm going to start speaking it. God, I'm speaking it, and I'm speaking it. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. All of a sudden, I'm starting to believe it. And God's word says, God, you're watching over your word, waiting to perform it. I'm doing your word. I'm expecting you to move. It's like, okay, somebody just touched my hem of my garment. Bang. A life of faith, a life of belief. Look at Proverbs chapter 17. A joyful heart is good medicine. But a crushed spirit drives up, dries up the bones. You young families, you young college and high school students, 
you older generation people, if you will change your attitude, it is going to change your life. Man, my preaching is way better than your responding. <laughs> Who needs your life to be turned around? This is it, your attitude, the way you approach. If you go into a test expecting to fail it, what usually happens? You fail it. You've studied hard, you've worked hard, but you're still expecting to fail. Expect to succeed. God, I've worked hard. I've prepared. I've prayed. Now, Lord, bring those answers back to my mind. And even if I don't know them, I ask for favor that somehow I put the right letter down. You don't go into it and not study and then ask God to move. You do your part. And you expect God to move and do his part. Let's make a decision. Church, attitudes are a choice. If you base it on your feeling, your attitude will be bad. You decide today is the day the Lord has made. Yeah, I'm going to court. Yeah, I've got this terrible test. Yeah, I've got this bad report. Yeah, hell's coming at me in every direction. Yeah, I can't get this job here. And this, these, these, these accounts are, are bailing on us. And nothing's going right. My marriage is failing. Stop. Shut up. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will find a word today, and I will dig in your word to find what I need for today. And, Lord, I'm going to stand on that. And I ask you in Jesus' name to move on my behalf. Because without you, I can't make it. Now, God, I'm going to start walking. And I expect you, Emmanuel, to be with me. God with us, Emmanuel. Church, get encouraged. Change your attitude. Change your attitude. Choose to have a good attitude in all that you do, looking to the Lord, looking to His reward and His way, and I guarantee you the results are going to be incredible. Amen? Amen. All right, let's say this thing together. It's in your bulletin, and then I'm going to pray over you. It's on the screen, too. We all say this with me? I commit to seek you, Jesus, your word and your spirit this week. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in my life. I will choose to have a good attitude in everything I do according to your word and your spirit. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I just right now ask you, Lord, to just break a spirit of a bad attitude. There are so many here that have grown up with parents that had it, been in an environment that's had it, and Lord, it's going to take a real lifestyle change to change our attitude. But I thank you, Lord, that when you died on the cross for our sins, you broke every power of sin over our life. And Lord, you're calling us to turn and to have a, an attitude of faith that we trust you and we believe you. Have an attitude of placing others ahead of us, an attitude of humility. I just ask you, Lord, for mercy and compassion and love all over us. Bless us, Lord. Bless us this week. Bless this holiday season. And Lord, let us have a good attitude at Christmas when family comes in. It's so easy to have a bad attitude. Let us have a good attitude. One that spreads peace 
and joy. Thank you, Lord. We just bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's jump.